Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if you want me to punch you in the throat, you weirdo, and let's just jump into it. Hey, y'all, the first thing we're gonna talk about is today is Valentine's Day, the worst fucking holiday ever. A day that really at the core of it is just adding unnecessary pressure onto relationships for the sole purpose of consumerism, getting money out of your pockets into the pockets of big, big companies that celebrate it for you. And it's actually a day that's evolved to also incorporate single people over the last decade or two, not because they want you to actually be a whole human being and not feel sad and shameful, but because they knew they couldn't wring you of money as well. Also, I do preemptively want to say I don't have this opinion because I fucked up Valentine's. Like me and my wife both think it's a stupid holiday. So one, if you're in a relationship and you really, really care about Valentine's Day, please rethink some things. But also two, if you are out of a relationship and it's Valentine's Day, please don't feel bad. You know this in your head, but sometimes you get too lonely. The quality of a relationship is more important than the existence of it. But also in relation to the first story, if you are out of a relationship right now, or you just really hate your ex, the ATF would like to have a word with you. And that's because today, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives put out the word, Valentine's Day can still be fun even if you broke up. Do you have information about a former or current partner involved in illegal gun activity? Let us know and we will make sure it's a Valentine's Day to remember. Which in response to that, I just have to say, one, it really feels like they missed out on the jingle, if he called you a bitch, it's time to snitch. But also, two has resulted in a ton of backlash against the ATF. With a good number of people arguing that the ATF is basically encouraging people to swap their exes and could result in false reporting. With a number of people bringing up ATF fuck-ups that have resulted in dead animals and people. With some using this as an opportunity to say that the ATF should be abolished. But also, notably here, the ATF's not the only one using this strategy. With examples of this popping up on the more local level, like the Nash Sheriff's Office in North Carolina making a post encouraging people to rat on their ex-partners with outstanding warrants this Valentine's Day. Yeah, I guess the main thing with this story is happy Valentine's Day. And then let's talk about one of the most talked about things, one of the most requested stories. And what I'm talking about here is over the weekend, I think a lot of us were just like, I want a chill, calm weekend. And then Kanye West was like, no, I'll be damned if every single person on this planet is not aware that Pete Davidson is having sex with my wife. The first part of my documentary is coming out Wednesday, so I have to make a fool of myself online as per usual. All press is good press because despite the fact that I act like a lunatic most of the time, everyone forgives me because I put out good content. See, hey, this is just me helping you get the word out. Extra, extra, read all about it. But also, side note, Kanye, she is your ex, soon to be officially your ex-wife. You're lashing out at everyone. You're lashing out at Billie Eilish over something she didn't even actually say. You're like, how dare she care about the people who paid to go to her concert? That's obviously a dig at Travis Scott. By the way, is it even remotely awkward for you that you're tweeting all this weird stuff about Kim and Pete Davidson while you're actively in Julia Fox? How many times do we need to stream this new doc or buy Yeezys for you to shut the fuck up? And one of the final things I'll hit on here because a number of people, like they make an excuse for him because they say, you know, he's mentally ill, he's struggling. It doesn't automatically excuse absolutely dickish behavior where you're dragging the mother of your children in public when she's trying to be nothing but okay with you. And I think for a lot of people who've been in very horrible and at times abusive relationships, they recognize the insane, uh, if I can't have her, no one can have her ramblings of this just crazy man. Like in addition to the weird, aggressive, direct attacks online, he's also encouraged his fans to harass people in public. There's recognizing you fucked up, wishing that your family was back together, and then whatever the fuck this is. You know, I say whatever the fuck this is because I've never actually had to deal with it personally, but if you've ever been in an emotionally abusive or emotionally manipulative relationship, you, you know what these behaviors are. Like his problems go past what we've seen in the last 72 hours. This has just shown consistency. He lashes out at the mother of his children very, very publicly, and then that doesn't work. So then he tries to make himself out to be the victim with unfounded and at times 
obviously false things and then that doesn't work. And then all of a sudden he goes after the people around her and then that doesn't work. And then it's all, baby, I love you. I care about my family. I'm sending you a truck full of roses today. Baby, let's just act like I didn't try to weaponize my audience of millions against you in an attempt to also alienate everyone around you. But ultimately that's where I'll leave it. And it's Kanye West. He has an undying amount of support out there. And so what I would even maybe end on if I was talking to one of his supporters, if Kanye was pulling this shit with your sister or your daughter or someone you care deeply about, but he wasn't the guy that gave you 808s and heartbreak, like would you be defending him this hard or would you be like, how is there not a restraining order yet? But hey, that's a story, my opinion. Whether you agree with me or not, I'd love to hear from you in those comments down below. And then let's talk about the trucker protests that have taken over Canada's capital, officially entering their third week and there are no signs of things dying down anytime soon. Or as we talked about before, what's been described as the Freedom Convoy protests initially started over a rule change by Canada and the US that required foreign truckers entering the countries to be fully vaccinated against COVID or submit to testing and quarantines. But since then, the movement become a broader demonstration against Canada's COVID-19 policies and spread to other parts of the country. And with all this, yesterday we got a major update that Canadian law enforcement officials had finally reopened a major international bridge that the protesters had blockaded for nearly a week, stopping traffic and millions of dollars in trade a day, with the authorities announcing that the Ambassador Bridge, which connects Ontario to Detroit, had been cleared following several arrests. And while many have hailed this as a win against the truckers, numerous roadblocks remain. Literally, in terms of the border, disruptions have still continued at essential crossings, including one that connects Alberta to Montana and British Columbia to Washington state. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, major disruptions have remained as the truckers continue to block traffic, taking over residential streets and cutting off access to key government institutions, including Canada's parliament, Supreme Court, and the prime minister's office. Both local and provincial officials declared states of emergencies with authorities referring to the blockade as a siege and an illegal occupation that has moved beyond the boundaries of peaceful protests. But despite that, law enforcement officials have made very few arrests and police presence has been described by reporters as all button visible, with some reports describing police just largely standing by, even as people seem to be openly violating laws in front of them, which may be part of the reason we've now seen thousands of counter-protesters whose lives have been disrupted by the truckers taking to the street to demand that they leave. With the report saying some counter-protesters have also been blaring what's been described as pro-LGBTQ plus cowboy metal songs to disrupt communications between the truckers. Meanwhile, it appears that some are trying to use different methods to try and interfere with the protests. Like just this morning, we saw reports that the crowdfunding site used to raise millions of dollars for the Freedom Convoy was offline after being disabled in a possible hack. And an absolute monumental news. Right as we were finishing up today's show, we saw reports that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has officially invoked the Emergencies Act, which as the New York Times explains, would allow him to effectively override civil liberties in the name of restoring public order. With that, including banning public assemblies or restricting travel to and from specific areas. But also a big thing to hit on is that these protests have now extended beyond the Canadian borders. Over the weekend, demonstrations inspired by the Canadian truckers took place in multiple countries, including France, Australia, and New Zealand. With the protests also appearing to spread in the US as well, with rallies taking place in New York and Alaska. There were also concerns that the protesters were actually going to disrupt the Super Bowl after Senator Rand Paul told truckers to go, quote, clog things up at the event. But ultimately, only a small group gathered in front of SoFi with the LA County Sheriff's Office saying that the gathering was peaceful. But ultimately, that is where we are with this story right now. We're going to keep our eyes on it, but right now it does appear clear that this is far from over. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, NordVPN, or more specifically, nordvpn.com slash Phil. Y'all know I've been a Nord customer for years, and if you still haven't checked them out by now, this may be the month for you. February is where you will find the best deals for NordVPN, but only through YouTube. You don't want to take a risk when using public servers, and with so many people working remotely, many in public places, you can have some peace of mind when you're using a VPN. Nord has strict no logs policy, meaning that they don't track, collect, or share your private data like some of those other VPN providers. Not to mention that one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination so you can protect yourself and a loved one or two. So take advantage of an exclusive deal to celebrate Nord's 10-year anniversary and head on over to nordvpn.com right now because every purchase of a two-year plan gets you one additional month for free and a surprise gift. So what are you waiting for? That's nordvpn.com and it's all risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And then in the less concerning of the two Russia stories we're going to talk about today, let's talk about the Olympics, which is a thing that is still happening, I'm told. Honestly, if it wasn't for this story 
million random clips popping up on my TikTok for you page now and then, I would not have known that it was happening this year. But as some of you may have heard last Wednesday, something happened with a Russian Olympian we've never seen before. They tested positive for a banned substance. Shocker, doping, drugs, illegal shit. Because of this revelation and this scandal, they ended up postponing the medal ceremony for team figure skating while they worked out how to handle the situation. With Russian media revealing that the athlete in question is Kamila Valieva, a 15 year old who made history by landing two quadruple jumps. With a matting that the substance in question was a heart drug which reportedly can boost endurance and blood efficiency. And to make this matter even worse, the Russian team ended up winning the gold medal last Monday. Right, so it's not like they came in fourth or yeah, they got onto the podium, but it was only a bronze. This put the top award in a total limbo. And so with that, you had Mark Adams, spokesperson for the International Olympic Committee, right, the IOC, saying, a situation arose at short notice that requires legal consultation. Except he didn't go into any detail about exactly what he meant by legal consultation. Instead, he moved on and added, you can bet your bottom dollar we are doing everything so that the situation can be resolved as soon as possible. But also with this, you had Valieva's coach saying, this cannot be true. We can be pointed fingers at, but we are all clean. And last week, the IOC and the International Skating Union were left haggling over legal obstacles, with some speculating that they're trying to determine whether the drug was taken inside or outside of the competition. Though, media reports say she submitted the test sample before winning last month's European Championship. But now, ultimately, a verdict has been made and Valieva will continue to compete in the Winter Olympics. But there is a massive catch with this, right? If she finishes in the top three at an event, there will not be a ceremony for it. And the medal ceremony for the team figure skating has gone from postponed to straight up canceled. So we're not just talking about Valieva not getting to stand on the podium, we're talking about the other two as well if she places. Which I mean, there's really no way around it. It's just completely fucked up. Imagine training your whole life for this moment and then you do amazing and you still don't get a medal because of some other country's player doing drugs? And the thing is, it's very likely we're gonna see this happen. Valieva is set to compete in this week's individual event where she is expected to win gold and we kind of just have to wait to see what happens. And if you're wondering why the IOC is doing this, they have said that this decision was made because of the quote, inconclusive situation and claiming that they will quote, organize dignified medal ceremonies once the case has been concluded. With Valieva herself telling Channel One Russia she is happy about the decision, but that she is emotionally tired, which one, Valieva in about a month, I've got the perfect hoodie just for you. That's a joke, calm down. But also two, it's completely understandable. She's only 15 years old, which is actually reportedly part of the reason why she wasn't suspended as well as the irreparable harm she might suffer from not being able to compete. And so with that, a lot of the blame isn't being directed towards this 15 year old athlete, but instead it's been directed at her coach who uses notoriously strict and harsh methods. Even being dubbed Russia's snow queen for her icy demeanor and coaching style, which it just feels like I'm describing a villain in a Mighty Ducks movie. But I mean, if you just look it up easily, you find a string of skaters have quit over the years because of her cruelty. Though it's not like it doesn't pay off. She's one of the world's most sought after coaches with players who have won top medals at international games numerous times. And so while you have some Russians defending her, you also have others saying, okay, let's look at the whole of this situation. Not only are we talking about harsh treatment, but did she dope this 15 year old? And one of the things we saw people doing with the situation were people making comparisons and calling out what they said was a double standard. With many specifically pointing to what happened to US sprinter Shikari Richardson. As you might remember, USA track and field said she couldn't go to the Tokyo Olympics because she ended up testing positive for marijuana. With Richardson saying she used marijuana to help her deal with her mother's death and a state of emotional panic. And actually with this Winter Olympics news, you had Richardson herself speaking out, saying my mother died and I can't run and was also favored to place top three. The only difference I see is I'm a black young lady. Noting that the 15 year old failed in December and the world just now knows, but saying, however, my results were posted within a week and my name and talent was slaughtered to the people. But ultimately that is where we are with this story. And of course with it, I want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts here? And then in news in a situation I really wish would calm down, but things just continue to heat up. Let's talk about Ukraine. Where you've got the United States warning that a full blown Russian invasion could come at any time. Right, the last time we talked about this, Russia and China had just tried to block a UN Security Council meeting on the issue, but they got outvoted and it
it went through anyway. The US accusing Russia of acting aggressively. Russia accusing the US of stoking tensions in Ukraine, telling both of them to stop bickering like a mother stepping in between two eight-year-old siblings. But shocker, that didn't work. And so now we're at this place that has been long predicted, right? The US said a couple of weeks ago that Russia would invade Ukraine by mid-February. And guess what? It's mid-February. And so now you have the US saying an invasion might commence in the next 48 hours, which could be more like 36 by the time that you're watching this. With many having speculated that now is the prime time for an assault because the ground is frozen over Kyiv, making it easy for tanks and other vehicles to cross into the capital. But also with this, you have analysts noting that any Russian attack will likely begin with air and missile strikes on Ukrainian defenses and critical infrastructure, not with ground troops. But regardless, the US says Russia could begin aerial bombardments at any time, and more than a dozen nations have warned their citizens to evacuate Ukraine. The same time you've got Poland and other neighboring countries preparing to accept Ukrainian refugees as war looks more likely. Britain's prime minister chiming in saying Europe is on the edge of a precipice, but there is still time for Putin to step back. With some saying that is a possibility if Russia moves forward with good faith, but Putin and good faith don't really seem to go hand in hand, but you do have Russian's foreign minister advising Putin to continue negotiations with the U.S. and its allies in a meeting on Monday. With Putin reportedly asking if it still makes sense to continue diplomatic efforts after the U.S. rejected Russia's main security demands. With the foreign minister reportedly replying that the talks haven't been exhausted yet and adding that the U.S. has offered to negotiate limits on missile deployments in Europe, military exercises, and other measures. You also have Joe Biden saying diplomacy is still an option, and of course Ukraine is very eager to avoid war, calling on Russia to engage in dialogue within the next 48 hours to explain the buildup of around 130,000 Russian troops along their border. Even floating a pretty huge concession on Sunday with its ambassador to Britain telling the BBC Ukraine that it might drop its ambition to join NATO because it's being blackmailed. Explaining, what I'm saying here is that we are flexible, trying to find the best way out. If we have to go through some serious concessions, that's something we might do. But then, today, you had the ambassador backpedaling, saying that while many concessions are still on the table, potential NATO membership is not one of them. And Ukrainian President Zelensky also backpedaling with one of his senior officials, saying an earlier statement that he made that he heard Russia would invade by Wednesday was meant ironically. You also had the German Chancellor meeting with with Zelensky today for the first time since coming to office in December and planning to meet with Putin on Tuesday as well. Germany declining to send weapons to Ukraine, but promising tough responses and sanctions if Russia attacks. And another angle to this that not many are considering is the impact on Ukrainian domestic politics. Right now, Zelensky is taking a big hit in his popular support with many people feeling like he failed on his promise to lower tensions with Russia when he was elected back in 2019. And the incumbent that he defeated back then has also returned to the country as well to stir up opposition. Plus, British intelligence claimed last month that Putin is seeking to overthrow Zelensky's government and replace him with a pro-Russian politician. And Amid all these moving pieces, the chaos, you got world leaders scrambling to prepare for war, you have Zelensky himself running around trying to put out fires, telling everyone to not panic. Criticizing the media for blowing the crisis out of proportion and downplaying the significance of Russia's military buildup. And in a phone call on Sunday, he even invited Biden to fly down to Kyiv for a meeting, which looks like a real long shot given that most American diplomats have already dipped out of the city. And so with several Western countries sending military aid to Ukraine and deploying forces to the region, what we're watching here is like the biggest Mexican standoff between two nuclear armed states probably since the Cold War. But yeah, ultimately that is where we are and we just have to wait and see what happens while we essentially just get to live through stuff that's gonna be in history books. Living through it, not as fun as reading about it. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching, liking, and subscribing for these daily dives into the news. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.